clear skies, healthy forests, death tax, ownership society. These are phrases that drive liberals and the left crazy. How did conservatives turn liberalism into a tax-raising, latte-drinking, sushi-eating, oval-driving, New York Times-reading, body-piercing, Hollywood-loving, left-wing freak show? That narrative is embodied in a particular set of words like elite, like values, like a bias, like traditional. A word, say, like freedom could really function less uh, to denote anything in particular so much as just evoke a whole set of little narratives. Our guest is UC Berkeley linguist Jeffrey Nunberg. The fact is that people have not given the right, the, the Republicans, the advantage on the, uh, on the environment or on education. Politics and the language wars. Coming up on Philosophy Talk after the news. Welcome to Philosophy Talk, the program that questions everything. Except your intelligence. I'm John Perry. And I'm Ken Taylor. We're coming to you from the studios of 91.7 KALW Loco, Innovative Public Radio for San Francisco. We're continuing conversations that begin at our home at Philosopher's Corner on the Stanford campus. And they migrate from this oasis, that oasis of the air, that oasis of thought to this oasis of the air and from the air to the internet via our blog the blog.philosophytalk.org uh, and now soon very soon we're we're narrowing down on an agreement it's going to be set very soon and you can you'll be able to download and listen to on your mp3 player the entire past present and future archive of philosophy talk Ken, today we're talking about uh, language and politics we're continuing a conversation with our, one of our favorite guests Jeff Nunberg whose book Talking Right was, was just in his head last time he was on the show, and now it's out making a big splash. But we're going to focus more on the, on the whole idea of framing than the politics. So why don't we start by you telling me what framing is? You know, framing, that's a big deal. It goes back, it's, it got started in philosophy circles through AI and what they call the frame selection problem. People were worried you take this computer and it doesn't know anything. You try to program some intelligent behavior into it, and it's like you're at a C. You know, let's say it goes into a restaurant, a robot goes into the restaurant. How's it to make sense of this stuff? Well, what you do is you build in a frame. Right, a set of expectations. So in a restaurant, there are waiters. There are, they ask you about your order, and you know you use that frame to to guide your reasoning and expectations in the restaurant. And because words are associated with frames, they 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 convey a lot more to us than just what you might think their literal meanings do. Here's an example. Suppose we hear that there's going to be a talk about free will at at Stanford, and you ask me, uh, continental philosopher or analytic philosopher. Well, literally, that means uh, somebody in the Russell Moore tradition, likely an American or an Englishman, or someone in the Husserl Heidegger tradition, likely from the continent. But if I say continental, it'll say more to you than that. It'll say probably pretty fuzzy, deep sounding, maybe not worth my trouble. If I say analytic, to you, it will mean, ah, penetrating, interesting. If I say it to a continental philosopher, it might mean, oh, anal itic. <laughs> yeah, right, exactly. Uh, and pointless. Yeah. I mean, a big deal about this is what, I mean, the frame can determine kind of how you think about something, how, what choices you make. You, you know what I mean? How, how a frame can influence your choices. Right, exactly. Uh, uh, give me a good example. Uh, suppose I, I'm going to sell you one or two different diets. Right. right? One diet is, uh, take this diet and over two years you'll lose 48 pounds. 
Sounds good. With Sounds a little good. luck, you'll be you lose forty eight pounds. Sounds, Sounds good. Pretty good. Another diet. Take follow this diet and over and you'll be lucky to lose two pounds every month. Oh, right. that sounds that, not so yeah, great. Not so good, but, right. but it's the same diet, yeah. right? So, and advertisers are always looking for that one word that will so frame your choices that you say, "Ah, I'll choose exactly the product they want me to choose." But, but, but now you know, cognitive scientists must have have studied this and know exactly uh, what's going on. Yeah, huh? and you know, cognitive scientists have studied this, and a leading cognitive scientist who studied it and tried to apply what he takes to be the lessons of framing to uh, to politics is George Lakoff, and a roving philosophical uh, reporter, Novella Carpenter, talked to him. She files this report: A rose is a rose is a rose, but is an increase of troops in Iraq a surge or an escalation? We're going to take it to the White House now, where uh, leaders from both sides just finished meeting with the president to talk about tonight's speech. Here's Nancy Pelosi talking Once now. Once again, expressing our opposition to the escalation, but also... President uh, Bush calls again, for more American troops to Iraq, the so-called surge, Joe Biden will say. No. We're going to surge 20, 30, whatever the president says. thousand troops into Baghdad again. It's an attempt to use language that is not threatening, like escalation, that looks like it's just naturally going to go away and work, for something that they know will not. It's a lie. George Lakoff is a professor of linguistics at UC Berkeley. A surge is an increase of something that exerts pressure that will naturally go down. But the context for escalation is Vietnam. It's now become a political term because that policy led to disaster. Lakoff says historically, the right has had an advantage over the left in the spin wars. What has happened over the past uh, 35 to 40 years is that conservatives have gotten their ideas out into the public so that they seem like common sense even to people in the press. There's an assumption that government is wasteful or that private industry does things more efficiently than government. And once those higher level ideas are out there, they can um, then come up with phrases like tax relief or death tax or, um, or surge, <laughs> whatever, that will fit conservative ideas. Lakoff says these ideas are shaped by what he calls frames. The sound bites and phrases, small phrases like death tax and so on, depend upon um, a larger conceptual superstructure. Every word comes with a conceptual structure called a frame. Each of these frames is actually realized physically in the brain, in the synapses of your uh, neural system. Okay? So the word activates the conceptual structure. In politics, that becomes very important because conceptual structures are not the same for conservatives as for progressives. So one of the effects of framing is just that. That is, if you put forth a plan, like a plan for troop surges, if you say that's the issue, then the other things outside just the troop surge are not discussed. If words matter so much to politicians, how exactly do they test their linguistic creations? One Republican pollster, Frank Luntz, writes a language playbook for the GOP. Lakoff describes the Luntz process. What he does is he'll bring in a certain number of conservatives, liberals, and independents, and uh, they'll have a discussion. Then he has everybody pre uh, have a dial, 
and when they hear what they like, they, they turn the dial to the right. If they don't like it, they turn it to the left. And he has a computer registering this. And he looks to see where you get a surge of support for a given word from uh, both you know, the liberals, the conservatives, and the independents. And then he says, aha, that's a good word. We've tried this policy twice in the last 12 months, surging troops into Baghdad. For Philosophy Talk, I'm Novella Carpenter. Want to hear more? You can find the complete episode on iTunes Music, or for unlimited listening, become a subscriber at philosophytalk.org.